You're listening to Lighting Up Real Estate with your host, Candle Lockett. Episode 15. Today, we are lighting up subleasing. As always, the goal of this show is to shine a light on people, strategies, systems, and ideas to help you get started in real estate investing. Subleasing, by definition, is renting a property by a tenant. That tenant then rents the same property to a third party, which then occupies the property and covers the rent. In this episode, you'll meet 26-year-old Errol Allen, a real estate investor who has created an amazing strategy and system for solving a very common problem in real estate. Landlords who are tired of being landlords. Errol created a fail-proof business solving this problem and receiving consistent profit without even buying the properties. So in this episode, Errol will explain the power of subleasing. He shares his step-by-step system for analyzing numbers and preparing it to be an Airbnb listing. And he also shares what he did to get the highest occupancy rates in his Airbnbs during COVID-19. So if you're considering Airbnbs as an investment strategy, or you don't yet have the funds needed to purchase your first real estate property, this episode may be for you. Grab your paper and pen because you will need to take notes. Errol came to serve. Hi, Errol. Welcome to Lighting Up Real Estate. Thank you for having me. Oh, no. Thank you for being on the show. I'm a big fan of everything that I see you doing and how you're helping others and serving and being the best at real estate investing. So I just had to reach out to you and ask you to be on the podcast today. And I just appreciate you for saying, absolutely, I'll be there. Let's do it. So you're here. Yep, yep. (laughs) So for the listeners, can you tell us about yourself and what you're doing in the uh, Atlanta area? Yes. So uh, I'm a five-year vet in the game. I guess you could say I'm a vet, maybe. Maybe still at the rookie levels. But uh, I've been wholesaling, fixing, flipping. I've most recently been doing buy and hold through uh, Airbnbs and also rental arbitrages. And I got a coaching program as well. It's amazing. I'm going to get to a, a day in the life of Errol Allen eventually, but I definitely want to to talk to you about how to make passive income in real estate without mm-hmm. owning property, which is also subleasing. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be your amazing area of expertise. And I would just love to share it, you know, mm-hmm. with everybody else. So wherever they are, if they're in Atlanta um, or they're, you know, in another part of the world, <laughs> you have inspired them through what you're doing. So let's get into that. So how did you get the idea of pretty much subleasing for a profit? So it actually came to me through a wholesale opportunity. I met a homeowner who owns quite a few property and I sold some of his deals. And then after we sold like the fifth or sixth one of his properties, he actually flew up from Florida to come meet me. And when we met, he wanted to show me two properties because I asked him after close. I'm like, hey, do you have any other properties that you have any issues with? I didn't really say if he was looking to sell, just if you have any issues or problems because I'm looking to solve a problem. So he was like, yeah, I got two right now. Drive by them. Let's check them out. So we got in his car. We drove by them. And they were both properties he did not want to sell. But he was tired of renting them out to problem tenants. So he was like, yeah, I got these properties right here. I don't want to sell them. But I still want to collect the check. And I still want to get cash flow. So I was already at the time doing Airbnb. And I was like, well, you know what? This is almost like the same thing I'm doing anyway, minus the buying the buying the house, fixing it up to refi into um, a long-term loan to Airbnb it. 
I just get straight to the point of Airbnb and, and cash flowing. So I did some thinking about it. I did some. I did a quick analysis on the deal to see what market rents are going for. And I was like, hey, listen, this is what I can do for you. Would you be open if I was to provide you that perfect tenant per se, where you don't have to have no plumbing calls, you don't have to worry about nothing, you just get a check every fifteenth of the month? And he was like, yes, tell me more. And so I brought to him, hey, let me sublease, sublease it to me. Then I'm gonna turn around and put it on Airbnb. I'm going to need it at a 20 to 30 percent discount of what the market rent is. That way, in case for whatever reason, if it fails on Airbnb, I still can rent it out traditionally and still have a little spread myself. So he agreed to it and been doing it ever since. And he gets a check for two of his properties on the 15th of every month. And he has absolutely no complaints whatsoever. That was brilliant what you said. Like, this is your requirement that you want a discount. So mm. that way you're making sure that, that, you know, everything is covered and you're making your profit. Mm-hmm. So that's a part of your system. What other systems do you have in place to make sure that this is going to run smoothly and consistently to other rentals so that one, you do? Once I get it on the Airbnb platform, then it's just a matter of my team just, you know, doing the uh, actual hands-on stuff. Like my cleaners coming in after the fact, my handyman handling any service calls. We actually just had an issue at one of my properties where we found a dead rat behind the wall <laughs> and it was stinking up the master closet. Fortunately, I have a biohazard specialist on speed dial who came in and rectified the problem. And within 48 hours, we back up on Airbnb. What you're charging is definitely covering up your team and you're still making your profit. Okay, so, yeah, in terms of number wise, I always Mm -hmm. want to make sure. So I can say with confidence anywhere in Atlanta, if you have a three bedroom, two bathroom property, you should see bare minimum at least three thousand to three thousand five hundred a month off of Airbnb in it. So me, I see a little bit more than that because I take a few extra things to really, you know, stretch that profit margin. But I'm over here making sure that all of my mortgages and all my rents are like fifteen hundred and under. So there's where I create my spread right there. And then within that spread, that takes care of the, um, the mortgage and all the other stuff. So do you have to have like a liability insurance? Do you have to? You don't have to. But of course, obviously, it might be best to, but you don't have to. Okay. What about rental insurance as well? It's not necessary. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's go back to you working with a a landlord or the owner of the property. Okay. What type of agreement do you have to create or form with them? So I actually have a very simple one page lease and Uh it states all the important things like, you know, from this day to this day. And the biggest thing that I have in it is that it says that if there's any maintenance problems that is above $500, $500, that falls on your responsibility. That's genius. <laughs> yeah, that, that's literally it. And it's, it's, it's a clean cut one pager. It's there. You'll see it. Mm-hmm. But no, most people won't be thinking that forward down. But that's how I protect myself from having to pull up the plumbing system behind the walls because we have faulty plumbing. That was something that was an issue before me. So it shouldn't be taken care of by me. So do you do yearly inspections on these properties as well? So before I actually um, acquire the property, I have an inspection done. Okay. How often do you do them in between, I guess, the lease agreements? Like, do you renew it every year? Is it month to month after one year? I renew it every year. Correct. Okay. So with the landlords, I guess, coming from their end, are they saying, okay, Errol, we trust you, but this sounds kind of crazy. Never heard of this before. We want a higher deposit amount from you. Or has that ever come up? So actually, no, because the way I word it in conversation, mm-hmm. and again, when I'm having conversations with these landlords or owners, I'm looking for a problem. So once I address it as this is a solution to your problem, 
a lot of the normal business things that you would say go out the window. It's like, I'm doing you a service, not the other way around. That's genius. So it's a whole different conversation. That's genius. So we have the lease agreement. We have the discount. We have pretty much everybody, but the, I guess the clients, which are also the sub less fours, which is the Airbnb clients. So now it goes into advertisement. So that would be the next thing. So are you already advertising, looking for these, the tenants, I guess you would call them uh, the people that are going to be staying in the Airbnbs before you Mm -hmm. even have the property to make sure that you're getting money. So before I do, before I start advertising, I want to make sure one, I acquire the property, then two, I furnish the property. And normally what I do before I start openly marketing it is I want to get professional photos because those will stand out more than just your regular, regular photos on the internet. Because everyone's going to be doing similar things in terms of listening on the Airbnb platform, listening on other third-party sites like VRBO and whatnot. But if you have those professional photos, that can really make you stand out from the rest. Right. That's a great point. So if they're getting paid on the 15th of the month, and let's say you acquired on the, I guess, the first of the month, are you still going to make that first payment to them on the 15th if you don't have it already rented out in the Airbnb yet? Or are you telling them you have to wait a month and then you start receiving the profit? So I normally aim for, not all of my people are on the 15th, but I normally aim for the 15th. Some are still like the first or the fifth, but generally if I can control it, I aim for the 15th. That way I really am never coming out of pocket and it's all coming out of Airbnb profits. That's what I'm thinking, because an investor, our goal is to make sure that we're always not spending any of our money. That mm-hmm. that's what, so I'm just exactly. trying to figure out your strategy <laughs> for fine. not coming out of your pocket. Yeah. So make sure also, I guess, to protect you and your business, because you definitely are a business minded person in, in investing, which is I'm just so impressed with. Are you also like checking these landlords to make sure that they're paying their mortgages on these properties as well? Or have you had to, had an issue with that? Or you just, I guess I'm looking to see like, how do you know these houses qualify? How yeah. do I know these houses qualify for me to sublease them? Absolutely. So I do the market research. I see what the market rents are. Then I come significantly below that. And then I already know on the back end what I can make on Airbnb from prior experiences with properties. Okay. So then you say, okay, I like this property. Let me vet this landlord. So are you mm-hmm. looking to see if they have a certain mindset, the patience or the temperance to work with you? And I guess, are you checking to see if they have a mortgage on this property, if they're not overextending themselves or upside down on the mortgage, like they could be a risk? So then normally I don't go in terms of like, you know, how upside down or if you are upside down. I just want to make sure like, hey, when you're because, again, a landlord, they're going to want to make a profit, too. So if their yeah. mortgage is eight hundred dollars a month, naturally, you're not going to go below eight hundred dollars a month. So mm-hmm. if I'm over here trying to like, yo, I want seven, you'll never say that. So they already, you know, have their built in a cost and expense and profits when they tell me what their number is. Mm-hmm. So I don't really have to do too much like looking under the hood, per se. Okay. You just gotten started in this and it's really taken off. But have you ever given them the opportunity of, hey, if you want to ever sell it, I'll buy it to, from you at a discounted rate? Oh, yeah. Never? Oh, okay. yeah. I told, hey, all my landlords that I sell these from know if you're looking to sell, I'm looking to buy. Nice. Nice. I mean, you have crossed, I think you've covered everything in, in this to make sure that it is a smoothless uh, system in place. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because actually one of my um, one of my landlords, because, again, he lives in Florida. He yeah. actually wanted just to fly in town just to sleep at the Airbnb, just to see what his property is like. What have I done to it and everything? That was my next question. <laughs> like, OK, if they want to come to see their property, they turn it to your client. Nice. Nice. So let me ask you this. Do you give them the opportunity to also, I guess, invest with you to get more properties? 
Is that also another opportunity to work with you again? So if they're willing to have that conversation, I mean, I'm willing to do whatever. So I'm not limiting them on what we can and can't do. But mm-hmm. most of the people that I'm subleasing the property from, they're just happy to have cash flow coming in without a problem and no headaches. They're not looking to do more at the time, but they're just happy they got stress-free cash flow like they originally wanted when they bought the properties. Right. I mean, I think it's a genius idea because if you're that landlord that doesn't want to deal with the tenants, but you definitely want to see that long-term appreciation of one of the best assets, which is real estate, this is the avenue to, to take. So have you found any cons? I mean, the cons just fall on the back end. You know, people are going to have parties. People are going to smoke out of place. Like I just told you, we uh, had an incident where by, I don't even know how the chances of this happening, a rat digs a hole into your house and then dies and gets caught in a stud. Like very, very, very rare occurrences like those are the cons per se. And then, you know, maybe even with your operations, you know, find a good, reliable team. Like I went through a handful of cleaners before I got the cleaners that I'm working with today. Uh, I was very fortunate. The, the very first handyman I met, I actually met because he moved me from my from one of my, uh, my two-story townhouse to my new townhouse I live in. Mm-hmm. And I met him on uh, an app called TaskRabbit. And he's been with me to this day. So I was very fortunate in that regards. Who who makes up your team? So my team, my A team per se, would be my cleaners, my handymen, like my yard people, and um, soon to be my new customer service person that's going to be taking over all the back and forth interactions. We're still going through. I'm still helping him with that right now. But soon that'll be completely hands off. And then I'll be literally just managing, like just checking up on things. Okay. Then I have a like a B team on top of that, which is like very rare occasions, like, you know, biohazard specialist, HVAC guy, locksmith, stuff like that. That's not on a consistent monthly basis, my Airbnb crime stopper. So that's my B team and so on and so forth. So it seems like you have mastered the Airbnb arena. I got a good grip on it. You can say that. <laughs> so... What made you even want to get into Airbnbs? Like even from the beginning, like what did you see that other people haven't seen? Because I'll be honest, I've stayed in Airbnbs. I've been a landlord forever, but I've never thought about an Airbnb until recently. So like, how did you jump on it and just said, that's it, I should be in this? So honestly, it started with my very first primary residence where I bought it and I didn't want to be responsible for paying my mortgage. So I have a three-story townhouse with three beds that all have its own personal bath. I'm like, what can I do? And then I started looking into house hacking, which I was unknowingly doing back when I lived in my two-story townhouse. So when I kind of do the numbers on it, I found out that if I just rent out my rooms, that can cover my mortgage and then some. And then I literally began paid to stay. And then I took that same concept. like, so if I can do this with a house I live in, what can I do with a house I don't live in? And then I started with one of my renovation projects. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to sell this one. I'm just going to, you know, hold it, see what it does. Mortgage is $1,100 a month, brings in about four to five grand a month. And I'm like, okay, so now I see this works. So what's stopping me from doing more? <laughs> Rinse and repeat. And then again, I added, I added to my toolbox a sublease, the sublease portion to where I don't even have to do the rehab and own the property no more. I could just take over and go from there. Hands down, you don't do any long-term leases. So I actually have one long-term tenant. And the only reason I have this long-term tenant scenario was because it was literally, I acquired it right in the beginning of Corona. And I was like, oh, I'm not feeling too certain about, you know, going through the whole shebang with this right now. Let me just rent it out long-term. And the long-term tenants were paying on time. 
he loves it. He actually wants me to extend it. Uh, we're supposed to be having a talk in the next month or two because his lease ends in uh, October. Okay. So do you want to extend it or do you want to just say, no, I can make more money through an Airbnb with this property? I mean, so I know he follows me on Facebook, so he probably going to see this interview and be like, don't you dare. But I mean, obviously <laughs> what makes business sense would be the Airbnb it because, you know, I'd make triple what I'm making just right. renting out long term. But I'm not hurt. I'm not pressed for it again. It, it's another sublease scenario. Landlord reached out to me. So everybody's happy right now. It's just something that I can think about as we get closer to that maturity date for the lease. Right. You're a wholesaler. Mm-hmm. You have Airbnbs. You're a long-term mm-hmm. landlord, short-term landlord. Mm-hmm. And you also flip properties. Correct. You have a pretty much a diverse portfolio in real estate investing. Mm-hmm. Which one do you think is like that missed opportunity right now? Would you think it is the Airbnbs or is it wholesaling? I mean, it just depends on what your exit strategy is when you enter the real estate arena. I tell everybody right now, your biggest missed opportunity is not even just wholesaling, but just marketing for direct to owner leads. Because when you're dependent on somebody else to bring you your opportunities for your real estate business, that will severely hinder what you can do with your real estate business. All of my houses I have in the Pittsburgh community either came from myself or my team that wholesales with me. So Mm -hmm. I was like, obviously able to pick which ones I want and then wholesale the ones I don't want. When I'm just strictly a rehabber with no wholesale insights, I'm dependent on the wholesale to give me those A minus B plus deals. And I probably will never know of the A plus deals. Right. Because you're getting the leftovers. Exactly. Yeah. And and even if that wholesaler doesn't want it, you're still having to compete with other people and you're paying more than you should be paying for the property if you just were wholesaling it yourself. Mm-hmm. That's genius. That- <laughs> I always tell people, like, if you're just strictly a rehabber, you, you really don't understand the amount of time and sweat equity a wholesale puts into generating these leads from you. And when they charge five to $20,000, it's 1,000% justified. Right. I found that even you're a rehabber and you're not that di- working with that direct seller, like, like what you do, you don't know how many people have even closed before you. Mm-hmm. So you could be like that third person in line after this person has got their meat off of it and that person got their meat off of it. You're paying top dollar for a property that you just should have had from the very beginning if you just were direct to sell it like you are. Yeah, but again, a lot of people don't want to put in the work, so yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, so why is it so hard? Because I don't think it's hard as a wholesaler, but I mean, so... It's not hard to wholesale. Yeah. And a lot of people just have the misconception because it's oversaturated. It's not oversaturated. It's, it's literally just a mindset issue. The business is simple to do. It's simple to learn how to acquire properties. It's simple to skip trades. It's simple to pull lists. It's simple. But people's mental battles, limiting beliefs is what's holding them back. What you think about, you bring about. So if you think it's hard to wholesale, well, guess what? Guess what? You're right. Right. So it's right. very simple to do. All right. So let's talk about mindset, because I think that's very important. Uh, I love to talk about real estate to real estate investors all day long. If you look mm-hmm. at my phone, it's, it's pretty much who all I'm talking to from beginning to end. And I end the night with my mom, who's also a real estate investor. So <laughs> so we are how we think, I think, is just truly amazing. What I want to ask is about your mindset. Like what makes you know or I guess, yeah, truly, what lets you know that you can do these things? Because like I was asking, I'm going to ask you at the end of the show, too, that you know your favorite book. And everybody, of course, always says Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That's the most amazing book it is. But I still ask this question. Millions of people have read this book. 
but millions of people are not real estate investing. Mm-hmm. So like, where's the disconnect? <laughs> so like, what is it about you that just sets you apart from other people? Like, cause like you said, it is your mindset. So how are you thinking? Like, what is the day in the life of like how you get up in the morning and how you're operating? Cause it's different than most people. Well, my thing is simple. How you do anything is how you do everything. So I will not half-ass anything. I will bring 100% effort and whatever is needed to get the job done. So when I started real estate investing, the same way I started a year ago, when or not a year ago, five years ago, when I was um, $50,000 in student loan debt, negative 590 credit score, like just all of these things were stacking up against me. And that was my motivator, my fire to really get me out of it because I wanted to you know, get back just to zero. It wasn't even trying to like get to a number. I was trying to get back to zero. And that same intensity I have then, I have now. I just shifted focus in terms of it's not just with wholesale now. Now it's with wholesaling, Airbnbs, and fix and flip. So in terms of um, just me seeing a task and just accomplishing it, it just comes from me, my like ready to get it done attitude. And then when you do get something accomplished, you get a small like little energy boost because like, hi, I completed a task, which will get you even more motivated to take on the next task. I don't always set like super big tasks to do. I do a bunch of small ones. And when I get those small wins, it leads me up to taking care of the big task. So pretty much, did this keep you in your comfort level or did you have to stay uncomfortable to do this? Oh, I was very uncomfortable. With my Listen, my first two years of real estate, like I said, I had negative $50,000 in student loan credit card debt. 590 credit score, 2002 Southern View that does not have AC. And literally, I had to drive from Swanee to uh, Atlanta every day to get in the space of where the people who were doing real estate were doing. So that's an hour drive there and back with no AC, which you can imagine is very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable doing this. But I knew what I wanted, and I knew this business, this avenue could provide me the opportunity and afford me to do it and have it. Right. So you had to get out of your environment to yeah. find your people. Yep. Yep. I had to make the commitment every day for six days a week, drive to Atlanta to meet the people who have the results I want. So I can eventually, eventually have some of those results rub off on me. Yeah, that's genius. So do you still run in that same circle of friends or company that you had back then that you have now? I still have some people that I started off doing real estate with. And then obviously, you know, some people have to get cut off for various reasons. But I can say the people that I start off doing real estate investing with, I say probably... 60% 60% of them I'm still cool with. And, you know, we still have conversation day in because a lot of people that I did start doing real estate with were in a very similar space. Hey, we're all trying to get out of this, you know, whatever hurdles or obstacles we're in right now. And so, yeah. So is this what inspired you to, to create the Young Bucks Nation? So what inspired me to create Young Bucks Nation was actually because a bunch of older investors were looking at me and my group of friends that was consistently closing deals on social media. They just, I guess they identified me as the leader. It's like that young buck right there. Like you, you guys are something else. And so one day I just had a conversation with five of my other millennial investor friends and they were like, Young Bucks Nation. And I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then they said, that's a great idea that you had. So you need to run with it. And here we are. So tell us about Young Bucks Nation for those that don't know what exactly it is. It's a millennial CEO network that's geared towards showing people how to become full-time real estate investors. So with that, it's, real, it's your real estate business in the box. You get the documents, the connections, because you get added to our private Facebook group. And you also get ongoing support from various members in the group. So do you have any projects going on during COVID-19 if, yes. if somebody wants to get involved with you? Yes. Yeah, so we actually had, we actually just closed on a project last Thursday. Mm-hmm. And the young buck who was leading that one is documenting the whole process so everyone can see it. Nice. So 
besides, I guess, Young Bucks Nation, are there any opportunities where someone could work with you? Let's say they're not in, you know, Atlanta area mm-hmm. and they're hearing this. It's like, hey, I got to see this guy or work with this guy. How can we reach out with you to you? So if you want to reach out to me, best way I would always tell people just hit me up on Instagram because my mm-hmm. phone was flooded. My email was a flooded. But if you go on Instagram and it's my name at Errol J. Allen, E-R-R-O-L. J Allen, A-L-E-N. That's the best way to reach out to me. And in terms of opportunities, yeah, I take on private money and biz dev, like nobody's business. And normally, if you want to like invest in my rehab business, I'll tell you, you need a bare minimum of like 10,000. The highest I've had someone invest into my rehab portion was like 50, 60,000. And then I have opportunities for people even below the $10,000 mark that I'll just fall into my Airbnb sector. Nice. Now, let's say we're that landlord mm-hmm. and you're the answer to our prayers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we know how to get in touch with you, mm-hmm. but it's like, how do we know our house qualifies? Are you just looking for in that Pittsburgh area or Atlanta area? Like, how do we know it's worth, I guess, your time? Because you seem, of course, a very busy person and we don't want to waste your time if we're not uh, having the property that you may want. So how do we know? It's all about numbers first, and then it's about the physical actually look of the property. So if it makes sense numbers-wise, all right, cool. Now I actually entertain going out to an appointment and, you know, seeing what it's looking like. And, I mean, when it comes to looking at the actual property, I just want, you know, a recently recently done property. You know, it doesn't have to be 2020 rehab, but, you know, something that has been recently updated, three-bed, two-bath, maybe a two-bed, two-bath, as long as the numbers make sense, and just looks good, pass the eye test. Are you looking only in Atlanta? So for me personally, I'm I like to keep all my Airbnbs near, but my young bucks and other people, they don't mind going wherever. So I actually do have investors where I have like a mini investor list who wants me to find them Airbnbs and they don't care where the location is. But my team's gonna be the one managing it too. So I also be, you know, considerate of making sure it's not across town. So but yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not limited to location. Okay, that's great. Um, if you were talking, if a landlord is listening to you, I guess right now, and you uh-huh. wanted to say, you know, like you gave the excellent, I guess, presentation to your uh-huh. investor out of Florida, what would you say right now to a landlord that's listening on why they should give their property to you? I'm going to say, if you, is, I, I don't have to convince. If you get those late night calls, if you have those problematic tenants, you're already in the mind frame of you want something different. You don't want to sell the property because you understand appreciation. But you want something different. And I am that something different. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I think anybody that's a landlord right now and you're hearing this before you even call a realtor, I definitely think you should try reaching out to Errol and looking at another opportunity because real estate is where the money is. Don't sell it to get some quick money. It's not It's only short, solving a short term problem. The long-term solution is real estate. And this is an excellent idea and an excellent strategy um, that Errol has created. So yeah, definitely reach out to him um, before you even consider selling. That should be the last resort. (laughs) There's just so many solutions out here now to why we can't hold on to these properties. It's just that one incident not understanding. I've been there. It just takes that one tenant to make you say, forget it, I'm out. But it's like, I hope you hear this before you make that call. Try something different. And then if it doesn't work, which I highly doubt it will happen, do it. But I mean, just try everything, but do not sell the properties because real estate is just your long-term wealth. And it's it's an asset that you can pass on to generation to generation. And here's an amazing solution right now. And even like you just said about your client in Florida, how he came and stayed in your Airbnb, you could be out of town investor. You might have a property in Atlanta. And every time you come into Atlanta, you don't have to worry about a hotel. 
You just stay at your own house where you're used to and know that you're making money in your sleep from this property that, you know, that you're given to Arrow. So I just definitely think this is the most amazing idea ever that you have uh, thought of. And you need to create a system and <laughs> trademark it and sell it and your royalties on it. Good. You definitely should. Okay. So now that I've gotten to your mind, I definitely got to get into your money. So we got to do financially lit with you. Okay. This is a segment that I have with uh, real estate investors. Like I said, I love to talk to investors because our mind is just so amazing. And it's like a financially literacy section where we just talk about finance. And I'm going to let you be the teacher. It's a financially lit 101. And you can just give a quick answer. You can explain it, whatever. It's on you. You're the teacher. So, Errol, what is the best financial book that changed the game for you? Richest Man in Babylon. And the reason being, because it taught me how to manage $100. If I can manage $100, then I can manage 1000 Then I can manage 10000 and 100000 so on and so forth. So that gave me the building block basic principles and how my money should be allocated every time I get $100 in. And I did that when I was working my one nine to five. I worked my whole life for six months. I was do- I was doing those principles back then when I was at negative $50,000 and still on credit card debt. And I still do it to this day. That is amazing. <laughs> I got other principles out of that, but I've never seen it, heard it broken down so easy as it just taught me to manage $100. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And as old as that book is, it's still relevant to this day. Very much so. Yeah. I like that one. Okay. So what is the best financial advice that you can give someone that you never learned in school? The best financial advice I can give somebody that I've never learned. Let me think about that. Financial advice. I mean, yeah, just, it doesn't matter how much you make. It's all about how well you manage. That's really it at the end of the day. You can make a million, but if you spend 999000 did you really do something? Yeah. 2020 in one word. Adapt. Why so? So, again, the short-term rental space, everybody was losing their shirts because, you know, guests can't travel. There's travel bans. And then from March onward, I had back-to-back-to-back record-breaking months on short-term rentals and Airbnbs. Now, obviously, there's a lot of unknown factors that gave me the benefit for that, but I do know that I definitely adjust my marketing. I definitely put my listings in more people's eyes, so I would be that very first, or at least first of few, to book with. So Mm -hmm. I learned to uh, adapt in how I got my marketing out, and that's how I was able to get even more bookings during COVID. Okay, so let's talk about COVID-19 because what we talked before about it, I mean, you had an amazing story about and you compared, I don't want to, I want you to tell the story, but how you compared your business to someone else in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Can you share that? So, yeah, so I was getting a lot of phone calls after I made the post. So when the whole COVID thing hit, just like brand spanking new, I went radio silent because I want to make sure I got a hand on everything that I'm doing right now and I want to make sure everything's good. Yeah. And once I saw that everything was getting back to normal for me, literally this all happened within the span of like two weeks of me, like making sure everything was straight again. And I made a post on my social media about, you know, how well March has turned out for me. And people will start calling me. And I had one investor call me. They're like, yo, man, how are you doing right now? Because I'm I'm selling furniture right now. Like I'm I'm getting out, but I'm still and I'm just like, well, it's because I just made the adjustments. That's all. That's all business is, is a continuous feedback loop of adjustments. So where something didn't work, then I was like, what can I do to improve this or get a different outcome? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of investors have reached out to me and I kind of, I don't want to say I 
could pick up, but I could see that it was just really dependent on just the Airbnb platform providing them the continuous leads, which is cool. But at the end of the day, this is your business. You sometimes, not sometimes, actually, all the time need to be in the driver's seat of your business. If you're dependent on a platform to bring the leads and then the platform says, we're not, you know, we're doing bad here. No one could book there. What are you going to do? Right. So I was one of those people who just got up and did something. Right. So what exactly did you do? Like, what was that strategy that you had? So I switched over to doing um, marketing on other platforms. So I did one on Furnish Finder. I put my stuff on Facebook Marketplace, just all the places that people generally wouldn't go to put them, but that increased my engagement and exposure. Right. And then I've had people on Facebook Marketplace. I was just like, hey, I want to book it for two weeks because, you know, I can't go back to wherever I'm from because of the travel bans. How do I do that? I'm like, well, here's the Airbnb link. Genius. <laughs> so you were out there immediately just solving the problem. The second I saw my bookings were going down, I think it was like March 16th when this happened. Mm-hmm. March 17th, I was already like, okay, gotta do this, do that. I, I'm not, we're not gonna sit on our hands for very long. Yeah, that was great because I noticed a lot of people, especially like in my circle of real estate investors, and I had to get out of it, even my business coach. I hope he's not listening to this, but he was just like, Candle, we gotta find. We're waiting on the stimulus package and we've got to get this. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm doing. I'm not waiting on the government to save me. I got to save myself. Let me get out of this circle and get into another circle where people are actually doing things and being proactive. And that's what you were doing the whole time is is just solving that problem. Okay, so back to being financially lit because I know I got off on the uh, the COVID-19. If you were given, let's see, $10,000 right now for another stimulus package, what would you do with just $10,000? If I was given $10,000, I'd probably just use that as money to either float certain things on my rehab projects or furnishing budget for my Airbnbs. So I'd do without $10,000 anyway, but, you know, it helped. Mm-hmm. So do you consider yourself uh, financially free? Yes. Okay. And define financially free. So when you have your investments and your passive income that not just meets, but exceeds your month to month commitments. That's amazing. Okay. So pretty much what you're saying is that you are living off of all your assets. Yeah. So what do you plan to leave for your children's children? Let's talk about multi-generational wealth. The properties that I own are in my trust. And obviously the properties that I manage sublease, you know, I can't can't control those, but the cash I get from that, I use that to acquire more properties to own. Nice. And I have an interview uh, this week with an attorney. That's what we're talking about is creating trust. My tax attorney. Oh, man, I might have to give you his info because Please he, do. Put, he put me on game. But that's a whole nother conversation. I can't get into that. <laughs> nice. Yeah. We'll definitely get that information because I would love to talk to anybody that you know. I would love to talk to because I mean, you, whoever you're surrounding yourself with, I mean, I know they're doing great things like you are because, like they say, what you are the five people that you surround yourself with. Uh-huh. So if they're broke, you're the sixth person broke, but that's not the case with you. So I can only imagine your circle. That's yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> so, what is the day in the life of Errol? Nowadays, it's really consistent of me waking up. Do my listen to my audiobooks or read my books, go to the gym, work out, come home, open up my laptop, check my Airbnbs, see if uh, guests are checking out. And if they are, I'll send them a nice little, you know, thank you for staying with us message. Then I go out and do field work, you know, check on rehabs or check out any potential wholesale deals. And even sometimes I just check up on my cleaners. And that's generally from like 12 to 4. And then after that, get late lunch go home, work on some more business stuff, watch a few videos and rinse and repeat. 
I've set it up to where I, it's, it's very manager now. I'm not like having to like hands-on hammer nail or hands-on make sure the cleanups are there. Everything I do, I just, I'm checking up. Yeah. You have claimed your time. Yes. You, you are the epitome of that. Your biggest asset is your time. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. So question, what is in your audiobook right now? What are you listening to? Um, I'm actually listening to, <laughs> I'm listening to some, um, what's it called? Personal relationship audiobooks, just communication languages and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. The book I'm listening to, I forgot the author. I think it was like Alan Griffin. Let me look it up real quickly. It is Ooh, Say It Again by Alan Roger. I have to look that one up. Okay. So what is your ultimate goal? I mean, just build up and scale up more of what I'm doing and bring more friends along throughout the process. So I have, again, in the past, we've done projects to where I've given the project to my side investor and I'm having them mirror what I'm doing with Airbnb so they can get in the space of having their passive income and get their time freedom, too. So it's just more about replicating what I've done for myself with other people. Okay, so when is the book coming out? Soon. <laughs> so actually, the ebook I do have. So there's because I got a few projects coming up, but I do have an ebook, and ironically, it's called "Getting Paid to Stay." And I just got finished doing the copyright thing. That's my house hacking ebook that people have been asking me about. So I should be releasing that literally sometime this week. I'll probably do it tomorrow. And then the next book that will be will be the uh, Airbnb arbitrage book that everybody's been asking about as well. So got that coming out soon. Nice. And we'll have all the links to everything that he has available on the website because I can't wait to get my hands on that one. That's going to be my next read is uh, that book, Getting Paid to Stay. Getting Paid to Stay. Correct. I love it. Genius. I mean, (laughs) and you're so young because like, okay, so how old are you? I'm 26. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, you're just getting started. Um, So eventually you're going to get tired of the Airbnb because I know something greater in store for you than this. So, I mean, are you already, I mean, of course, I know you already thinking bigger than this, but mm-hmm. like what, what's the vision, the future looking Commercial like? Commercial projects, apartment buildings, developments on that scale. And mm-hmm. I actually am already, even though right now I'm not in a state of I'm mentally exhausted from this, but I've already put together my standard operating procedures for somebody to replace me wholeheartedly. So when I do transition to something else, this will still be a thing, just it'll be managed by somebody else. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true financial freedom. So you could be anywhere in the world and you still have your money coming in. Yeah, I tested it last year. I was like, oh, shoot, this is, this is it. <laughs> I, went, I, went to, uh, I went to the islands for two weeks and I only had one phone call about an issue with a light, not, um, not light, a smoke alarm going off my Airbnbs. My handyman took care of it and I was, I was in Turks and Caicos. Nice. And everything else was still turnkey. Cleaners came in, showed up, took before photos, after photos. Guests came in, place looked spotless, so on and so forth. Nice. Just from talking to you and in following you, of course, on social media, it seems like, in my opinion, you, of course, you're going to correct me because this is definitely your your vision and God's plan for you. But it seems like your strategy is just so simple. But yet, many people make it extremely complicated because, like, you have taken an area which is Pittsburgh. Uh, community in Atlanta, Georgia, and you have pretty much just made it, this is the place where I'm going to dominate. You have made it like a Monopoly board game. Do you think that has been the key to your success of just being still and just knowing that area, mastering that? Or 
I think it has actually superseded the results that I would have got eventually because I focused on one area, put my market in one area, let the neighbors know this is where I'm at. Like the president of the community knows me. Like so many opportunities come through just because I'm present and so consistent. One of my messaging is, hey, I'm looking for houses here. That That's why I'm getting all the properties that are getting sent to me. Yeah. Why did you choose Kisler? It's affordability. So for me, I'm always a numbers guy. That was my thing. If it wasn't, if I wasn't so passionate about business, I have a debt knack for doing numbers. But mm-hmm. houses over there are ARV in like two hundred fifty thousand, or after repair value is two hundred fifty thousand. Mortgages mm-hmm. when you go to refinance that, or even just go to buy something traditionally, the mortgage should fall anywhere from like nine hundred to fourteen hundred dollars a month. Right. Two hundred fifty thousand dollar asset. And then with that mortgage, that's nine hundred to fourteen hundred dollars, and it's generating four to five thousand on Airbnb. Where's the confusion? There is none. <laughs> like I said, I talk to investors all the time, and of course, I was sharing with with them about you, and they were like, "But investors, we're supposed to go where the deals are. So if the deal is in Gwinnett, we go to Gwinnett. If the deal is in Smyrna, we go to Smyrna." I'm like, "No, I think he's mastered because he stayed right there where his feet were already planted." And I'm not trying to, you know, step on no toes, but generally people step on them. Like, <laughs> when people are like, oh, we're going to go where the deals are going or don't have an actual focused area. Those are the people who are rehabbing that are strictly dependent on wholesalers to bring them the deals. So wherever the deal is, that's where we're going to go. Again, I know a bunch of rehabbers, they can have, they got their crews and they can go anywhere. They can, you know, pick up and go anywhere. But when you get really focused and specific about where you want to build your wealth at, why would you want to be, 10 houses over there, another 10 houses over there. You just drive there and back is a nuisance. Exactly. Time, I don't see how that would make sense. But yeah, so I would say just because I focus on one area, my time efficiency is so smooth and so efficient because literally I just go to a neighborhood. Within 30 minutes, I've done checked up on eight of my properties versus I take a 30-minute drive to this neighborhood. Then I got to take another 30-minute drive to that neighborhood. Then I got to take another 30-minute drive. No. It's all right here. Sweet my street. And plus you're controlling the market. Mm-hmm. And I don't think many people have caught on to that because it is like you are carrying out rich dad, poor dad, because you own everything. You are like the monopoly board itself. And you are pretty much saying, this is how much I know this rate is going to go. You can increase it and control everything around you. Whereas instead of letting other people control how much you're going to make. Yeah. It's, it's a very good perk when you have multiple Airbnbs in one neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Errol, I just thank you for spending this moment with us and uh, just sharing all this knowledge and being such a light. I appreciate it. Again, like I said, I appreciate you having me and just reaching out. Is there anything that I did not ask that you just want to share? Mm, I mean, for the person who's getting in, because I know many people may not come from the best of financial situations. And I was just like you guys, just starting off 590 credit score. I think I said this multiple times, negative $50,000 still on credit card debt. As long as you're willing to work, this business will work for you. So if you coming in like on a bad foot, start off wholesaling, start off bird dogging. You just have to crawl before you can run. Everybody thinks you got to come into this business and be great. Nah, you got to first start off being bad. And then once you do that for a short period of time, you can then transition to being good. Yeah. And then once you do that for a short period of time, your transition being great. And then the next level that obviously everybody wants to be has that level of mastery in this space. So, yeah. but it all starts with you having to be bad at something first. Yeah. My first cold call with wholesaler with homeowners was not the best cold call. 
but you got to start somewhere. Because mm-hmm. I remember when I started in real estate sales, I hated getting uncomfortable making those calls. And they were like, no, keep getting those no's until you get a yes. Mm-hmm. And get excited about it. Eventually, it's going to come. And then when I finally got the no's, I got excited. And that yes finally came. I didn't know what to do. And it's like, finally, it worked. So I definitely understand. But you just got to stay consistent. Yep. Because we'll try it three times. Like, no, nah, it didn't work for me. Like, you didn't do anything. You didn't wholesale a project. Like, I, I say this all the time when people come up to me about wholesale. I, I will never understand the logic behind this. We will go to a college, an institution for four years, throw out truckloads of money, 30, 50, 60, $80,000, come out in student loan debt. Then now that we've got this certification that states we are an expert in this field, we will then go look for an opportunity to make money off the education we invested four years from. But then we come into wholesale real estate and somebody comes in after six months of not even just doing the learning thing, but doing a money making portion of it. And then they say it doesn't work. But you spent four years and you was under 100 grand over here. It doesn't make sense to me. You you brought up a great point. You brought up a great point. But I thank you for your time and just being such a light. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, I have all of your information. It'll be on the website. So anybody that's listening, just go to uh, lightinguprealestate.com and you can listen to this podcast and get all of his information and contact him because he is the most giving person (laughs) and he will help you, whether it's to get started in real estate investing. Uh, He has created Young Bucks Nation. And if, like I said, before you call that, that realtor to list the property, please reach out to him first. Do not do it. He will have a strategy for you before you do it because um, he's already at a very young age understanding how important financial dependence is, multi-generational wealth, and just how we can achieve wealth through real estate. I would definitely have a conversation with him first before you make that move and you're going to regret it. Yeah, that's it. Errol, thank you. Thank you again for having me. To learn more about Errol. Get access to his new ebook, Get Paid to Stay. Join Young Buck Nation, invest with Errol, or follow him on his social media platforms. Just go to lightinguprealestate.com. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, subscribe and leave a review. That's all for now. Stay safe, stay sane, and stay with.